0: Welcome to the Draftnut podcast. It's Jared Feinberg here going solo again. Devin is not here with us of course as he's got meetings going on at work today. So, it's just me. Going to be rambling about football all episode long and I can't wait to do so. It's going to be a much shorter episode than what we've had been putting out as of late. So, I'll be getting out of y'all's ears here shortly. <laughs> so, Again, excited to get going here. Going solo for the first time, or technically for the second time. Went solo with our special guest last week, Trevor Sykema of the Draft Network. So I was happy to interview him, ask him questions, learned a lot from him. And uh, it was a great episode last time around. We got some stuff to talk about today. We saw classic Big Ten action Saturday as the conference made their return to college football We had a crazy day of NFL football on Sunday, and we'll get to that shortly. But before I start on a rant about a specific football player that I have mentioned over the past few days, I want to give a a shout out to Matt Miller, lead draft analyst of Bleacher Report. On his most recent podcast Tuesday, Miller announced he is leaving Bleacher Report at the end of his contract in February, and with that... The Stick to Football podcast, which I love so much, will be no more after this week. The last episode will be on Friday. Miller's the guy that got me into draft analysis and scouting a few years ago, and I haven't really looked back since. I learned a lot from him early on, and he has my utmost respect. He has his draft takes, and those takes can be controversial. But and no one's gonna agree with him. I don't agree with some of his some of his draft takes. But he's an awesome guy, someone that you can learn from if you're just starting to become a draft analyst and someone I would consider a low key a, a mentor during my early days of scouting. So Matt If you're listening to this podcast, good luck wherever you go, and I wish you nothing but the best. Now it's time for my rant about Cam Newton. And, you know, I've I've gone on plenty of rants about Cam Newton. But, you know, I gotta go on another one after his performance from Sunday. He was awful Sunday, and as you all know, I'm one of Cam Newton's biggest stands on Twitter. He's been my favorite football player ever since I started watching football about a decade ago. He is such a great human being and an even better quarterback on the field. When he's on his A game, he's an elite quarterback in the NFL, up there with the likes of Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson, etc., etc. Newton is also one of the most talented quarterbacks the game has to offer. But in the last two games, Newton has struggled. He's thrown some very bad picks. I'm not going to lie. He he has not looked good. Um, he's thrown five interceptions, no scores in those two games against Denver in his return after having COVID-19, and three against the 49ers. And all three of those interceptions were pretty damn bad. Um, he He just looks off. And I'm not sure what's really going on. It looks like he's been pressing the ball too much and it's costing him dearly. His mechanics have been off and it showed against San Francisco. Um, Something just... It it just doesn't seem right with him. Something doesn't seem right with him at all. I'm not sure if, if it's because he's hurt again. It doesn't seem like he is, though he did injure his hand against the Broncos. But it... That injury never showed up on the injury report, so it could have been just a sh- sore hand. He got some ice on it. He was fine the next day, whatever. Um, he had no COVID-19 sim- symptoms. Um, I mean, he's healthy. He's. I mean, he looks healthy. But I, I, it, I just don't know what's going on with him. Is he still trying to get back in his groove from all the time he had off while in quarantine? I have no clue. But Noon is having, but Noon having a bad stretch of games. Is not new for him? After about two or three bad games in a row, he usually gets going again, unless he's hurt, and then they'll probably have to bench him at some point. But you know, he he, he usually after those two or three games, he's back to playing at a high level, um, and I th- this. This kind of feels normal when for someone who has watched Cam Newton throughout his career in Carolina as a Panthers fan, but it, something just seems off right now, and I don't know what it is, and I'll probably just think of it while I'm talking here, but there's already been calls for him to be benched by Stidham or Hoyer. Do we not remember what happened against Kansas City? Do we not? Both Hoyer and Stidham are bad. They're bad. I, I don't get benching Cam Newton, who is easily the best quarterback on the team, for much worse quarterbacks and Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. I just don't understand that. I don't think going with either of those two players is a good idea. makes your team worse. Cam Newton makes the team better. But when you look at the team right now, they're not a good football team. Newton is a good quarterback. Anyone that says he is not has only seen his bad plays, but will stay quiet when he plays very well, which he does at a high level. And the whole thing about what Jeff Garcia said about Newton is ridiculous, and I don't want to get into that for the sake of my mentals. But here's the thing. Newton is going to get better from here on out. I believe he will. He should. But let's remember that he's playing with arguably the worst group of wideouts he's ever played with. They aren't doing him any favors, and neither is the team, which has been ravaged by injuries, COVID-19 listings, guys being put on the COVID-19 reserve list, and um, opt-outs of key core players. If the Patriots want to make sure Newton is still playing at a high level towards the end of the season when they want to try and make a push for the playoffs, they have to make a move at one of the skill position players, whether that's wide receiver, tight end, or running back. They have to. I mean, I if Newton is able to lead this team back from being down two, two wins to four, This early in the season. And still leads him to the playoffs. And that's incredible. But. He needs to have maybe one. Or two. Good wide receivers. Or a good tight end. To go to. to. Like he has to. Um, Tight end and wide receiver. Is a must need right now. And there are plenty of options out there. I don't want to list the options right now. Because I got plenty of stuff to get to. But. I'm not worried about Newton's struggles just yet because there there needs to be more context. He's already come out and said he, he needs to play better and is admitting his mistakes, and he wants to get better. And when he wants to get better, he gets better. He and... Well, Newton has that Michael Jordan mentality of... If I play bad, I'm going to come back the next week and play even better. If I have a bad stretch of games, I'm going to go off on a long stretch of games and just ball out like no one's ever seen. He's that type of quarterback that just, he has a stretch of games and then he just goes off for a good period of time. And then he has that one bad game and then goes off for a period of time. You know, I mean, every quarterback has their bad games. Every quarterback has their bad stretch of games. Newton has his bad stretch of games. But, you know, again, like, I'm not too worried about Newton's struggles. They are concerning, but I think Newton will be fine. And I apologize for being emotionally attached to a player like Cam Newton, but Newton is the type of player that I feel like I have to defend all the time because he is one of the most crucified quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't want to have to go through all the reasons why he, why he is being, or why he is one of the more crucified quarterbacks in the NFL. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure you guys can figure it out. There are plenty of reasons why he is. Um, I will continue to defend him as long as he's playing in the NFL through the thick and thin. I'll, I believe he can be the future in New in New England at quarterback for years to come. But they have to surround them, but New England has to surround them with talent if they want to go win their seventh Lombardi trophy with Robert Kraft and the Patriots and help Cam Newton himself get his first Super Bowl ring. So all right, I'm done. I'm done with the rants. Let's move on to some of this weekend's ma- some of this past weekend's matchups. First off, we have Carolina and New Orleans. It was another great game in the Superdome between those two teams. It seems like these two teams play very well against each other whenever New Orleans is hosting this divisional matchup, this specific divisional matchup when Carolina is traveling to New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater looks good. He had arguably his best game as a Panther. He was efficient all game long. But I want to address his final play of the game, which he was sacked and it forced Carolina to have Joey Sly attempt a 65-yarder to tie the game. And that 65-yarder, if made, would have been the longest field goal in NFL history. Sly almost made it. If it was maybe another yard or two, he would have made it. And it would have been a tied game. And it could have gone to overtime. But... You know, Carolina lost the game, but I, I'm seeing on my Twitter timeline that Teddy Bridgewater is the reason why the Panthers lost that game. He was the reason he got sacked on that final play of the drive. On that final drive in which Carolina was trying to drive downfield, either tie the game or score a touchdown. I I don't know what people saw that would suggest that Bridgewater was the reason they lost that game but the reason they lost that game is or they the reason why Tate Bridgewater was sacked on that final play was because Chris Reed the left guard who had been struggling all game long failed to pick up a stunt which he had failed to pick up multiple stunts throughout the game he failed another stunt on that third down play the pocket collapsed. There was nowhere for Bridgewater to go. The rest is history. Whatever. If you want to put place on a, if you want to place a blame on who lost the game for Carolina, give that blame to the interior offensive line, especially Chris Reed, especially Chris Reed, and the third down defense that was, and another place you can put for blame is that third down defense for Carolina. They allowed 12 third downs on a total of 14. They were 12 for 14 in that area. That's unacceptable for Carolina's defense. Every time they were in a third down situation, almost every time, they were playing soft zone, only rushing three. When they should have been playing man-to-man. I don't care if... I, I, I really don't care if the corners were that bad. If you're playing man-to-man, you rush four, you rush probably five with an extra blitzer, either Thompson, Chin, Whitehead, whatever, you have a better shot at, at stopping the Saints on third down. They had so many opportunities to stop the Saints on third down, force a punt, and let Carolina drive down, drive downfield and score a touchdown, or at least kick a field goal. But they didn't. They were 12-4 in that area. 12 for 14 in that area. Third down defense was horrible. has to get better. It has to. Don't put the blame on the quarterback that had a very clean game from start to finish. At this point, I I think fans are just putting any blame on on any of the Panthers' losses to to Teddy Bridgewater because they just don't like him. And he's not a flashy quarterback like everyone else is, like Mahomes and Newton and whatnot. And I get it. You guys still miss Cam Newton. You guys aren't... Really big fans of Potato Bridgewater. But Bridgewater gets the damn job done, man. Come on. It's... Can you at least respect him as a player? Please. He doesn't deserve this hate. He doesn't. Bridgewater is a solid quarterback. And he's doing a lot better than we expected. Now, sure, he's had his moments. He hasn't been there are times he wasn't efficient but he is playing a lot more confident with the football he is taking more shots downfield and when he he will take shots downfield if he feels comfortable taking a shot downfield and we saw that plenty of times that final play if Chris Reed is able to pick up that stun Teddy Bridgewater has Curtis Samuel downfield for a touchdown to take the lead against New Orleans And the Panthers could have won the game from that potential touchdown. But no, Chris Reed decided, oh, I'm not even going to pick up this stunt. And I'm going to let Teddy Bridgewater take the sack. And we have to kick a 65-yard field goal. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm not going to really continue on Teddy Bridgewater and Panther fans not really liking him. That's another rant for another day. But... Let's let's get to the facts. Brian Burns is still a damn good football player, still a beast off the edge, showing off that athleticism, that speed, that pass rush ability that just make that's turning him into a very good pass rusher in this in this league. Taylor Moton is really freaking good. He shut down Cameron Jordan, and he needs to get paid now. I don't know why he wasn't paid in the off season, but I I really do hope he gets paid. This off, this upcoming offseason. The Panthers don't sign, re-sign Taylor Moton, failure on on Marty Herney, and he should be gone. He should have been gone a couple years ago. I mean, he is not a good GM. He's only good when he's picking in the first round. That's it. So, you know, it is what it is. I it, another player I was really impressed with was Greg Little, who came in for Russell Okun, who went down with an injury. Little was just really powerful at the point of attack, just running over guys, making plays in the run game. Um, really impressed with him. I think he's better than Russell Okun, in my opinion, and I think he's shown good development in the play in the games he's played. And if he turns out to be the starter this weekend, the like he's going to take all the snaps at left tackle. If he has a good game against Atlanta Thursday night, then then he should be the starter from here on out. That, that's just my opinion. Drew Brees had a solid game, but his arm is shot. It's still shot. The Panthers were torn apart defensively because Brees just sat in the pocket and hit those quick throws, and they just couldn't defend that. And they couldn't make plays against Alvin Kamara, who was incredibly hard to contain all game long. All game long. Kamara is playing like the best running back in football right now. Um, we hope we see Christian McCaffrey, who is the best running back in football. But right now, right now, I will is the best running back in football. And the Saints did all of this. They won 27-24 without Emmanuel Sanders and star wide receiver Michael Thomas. Shout out to Sean Payton for getting that receiver depth ready for touches. And they were great Game plan by Payton overall. The Panthers are on Thursday night football, like I mentioned, against the Falcons at home. And the Saints will be on the road against Chicago on Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon. Some other, some other things that from Week 7 that I want to mention include uh, Baker Mayfield had an incredible game in the 37-34 win over the Bengals. After starting over 5 in an interception. He finished the day with 20. He went 22 for 28, 297 yards, and five touchdowns. He only had one incompletion the rest of the game, and that incompletion was when he spiked the ball down to stop the clock on the last drive of the game. Mayfield looked great, and I hope he can, t- can continue this great play against the Raiders. If he has another good game next week against the Raiders and stays on that path consistently, I think the Browns are heading to the playoffs and I think they're heading to the playoffs either way. And I, and honestly, and I don't want to talk about this right now, but Baker Mayfield is going to be the starting quarterback for years to come in Cleveland. He deserves to have an extension when he, he he'll probably get that fifth year option next year if he continues to play well. Um, but you know, he's got to play more efficient, more consistently, than he has in recent weeks. If he does that, if he continues to play like he did in the last over the last three quarters against Cincy, then he- he's going to be really, really good. And I mean top ten quarterback good. I believe he can be a top ten quarterback. So that's all I'm going to say there. And my prayers go out to OBJ after he suffered a torn ACL. At the beginning of the game yesterday on Bigger Mayfield's interception. I hope he has a speedy recovery and returns to action as good as ever. But with the Browns, it is an entirely different topic. Burrow, Joe Burrow, had a great game as well. 400 plus yards passing. Continuing to show he's the future in Cincinnati for the next 10 to 15 years. Tom Brady was awesome and playing as good as ever. Great game against Las Vegas. Continue to make his case to winning another league MVP at this point of his career. Um, you know, it, it's really it's really good to see Brady playing this well, and it just goes to show that Tom Brady was not a system quarterback. He has been the best He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for decades. And it just goes to show how efficient he has been every single year, including while he was in New England. Sure, New England may have had some part in his in his play, but he's showing in Tampa Bay that he is he wasn't a system quarterback. He is he was legitimate. He can play in really any offense except for maybe oh gosh, maybe like a run first or like of I mean, of course, he can't play as a running quarterback. I mean, he he's slow as hell, but you know, he can really play in almost every offense, in my opinion. So the Bucks continue to show on Sunday that they are arguably the best team in the NFC right now. Now let's game get to the game of the year so far this year. Cardinals beat the Seahawks 37 to 34 in overtime. Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray both had incredible football games. Wilson did throw three bad interceptions, but he still made his case for league MVP. Tyler Lockett was insane, catching 15, catching 15 balls for 200 yards and three touchdowns, and showing why he still won the most underrated players at his position. Shout out to DK Metcalf, the draft Twitter's favorite prospect ever. DK Metcalf chased down Baker on what would have been a pick six, he ran his ass down. I mean, booked it. Baker, but a Baker, I, when watching this game, I watched a little bit of the game and then I fell asleep. And I hate I fell asleep at the end of that one. But rewatching that game, it, it's insane. Like, Baker could have easily had a pick six. But DK Metcalf, to run, it, it's insane to think about a player that can move that fast at that size. At 6'4", 225, he's moving like that. Ran the fastest of any player in the NFL so far this year. Ran like 22 point something miles per hour on that chase down. Like that is insane for a player to move that good. So shout out to DK Metcalf on saving Russell Wilson from a pick six. And the Cardinals making it a much closer game in that part of the game than it already was. I think they ended up scoring on on that ensuing possession anyway, but still. Huge shout-out for to DK Metcalf showing off what hustle looks like, not giving up on every play. So, shout-out to him. The Steelers are 6-0, and folks. They're 6-0. and Last unbeaten team in the NFL after a 27-24 to win over the Tennessee Titans. Big Ben didn't have his... Best game, but the team overall was awesome on both sides of the ball. It's hard to argue that they aren't one of the best teams in football right now. I think they should be up there with Kansas City, Tampa Bay, um, Baltimore. I'm trying to think who else? Um, Green Bay. Those are some of the teams just off the off the top of my head. So th- those are some of the things I noted down from Week Seven. Now let's get into college football. Justin Fields made his season debut, and boy, was he awesome. He looked like a better player than he was a year ago. He he displayed incredible arm talent on some of his deep balls and far hash throws. That dime to Garrett Wilson on the post during the game was a thing of beauty. The touch, the ball placement, the trajectory, everything was great on that throw. Fields was accurate all all game long. He started with a 100% completion percentage. Like, he was insane to start out. Um, He's well on his way to being a top five pick in the NFL draft, but I don't think he touches Lawrence for QB1 as Lawrence. It's just he's easily the best player in the draft right now. And you can make an argument he's the best player to enter the draft in quite some time since probably Andrew Luck. So Lawrence, I think he still has that QB1 spot locked down. And I know there are going to be people that will try to make a case for Fields to be QB1. But, you know, i respect their opinions, but I'll just be like, you know, I don't agree with that opinion. I don't agree with that take and so, so forth, whatever, whatever. But Fields, great game, even bigger threat on the ground, showing that he can potentially, potentially be Camden 2.0, but better coming out of college. Maybe, maybe, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, folks, don't don't trash me for it, I'm just saying, just saying. Ohio State's front five, their offensive line was awesome. Josh Myers, the center, showing he can be a starting center in the NFL. White Davis was great per usual, both of the, both of those players were just monsters at the point of attack. Both showed good anchors and good footwork and pass protection. And both were dominant as run blockers. You can say I'm a big fan of both of them. Um, I think right now they're the two best interior offensive linemen in the NFL draft right now. You can make an argument for Trey Smith of Tennessee and Creed Humphrey of Oklahoma. But those two guys look like the best interior offensive linemen for the NFL draft at the moment. So... The interior offensive line discussion for who's the top player at that spot is going to be really really interesting to see throughout the draft process and all the way up to the draft in late April. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. A heartbreaker for college football and the NFL draft, Jalen Waddell is out for the year with a broken ankle. He was playing at an elite level in which he... Was you know trying to make it make his case to being the first receiver off the board But with his but with the limited tape he has from this year He may still be the first one off the board first wide receiver off the board come April There's hope he can be ready and healthy By the time the combine rolls around but it's very fluid at this point. We won't really know what his timeline is until um Once he's really into rehab and whatnot, um, Waddle is incredibly talented as an incredibly talented receiver who can be the number one wideout for a pro team for years to come. The next time we see Waddle, will we'll probably be on an NFL team, assuming he declares for the draft. If he doesn't, the the 2022 wide receiver class you got Waddle, Joe Mache, um, Garrett Wilson, George Pickens, oh. Oh, those four are monsters, 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 monsters. I mean, wow. Great, great football players. That'll be fun to see. But it'll be nice to see if Waddle gets into this year's NFL draft so we don't have to wait a year to do our evaluations on him. So, you know, heartbreaker for Jalen Waddle. Wish him nothing but the best. Wish him a full, speedy recovery. And I hope to see him at the Combine. Um, maybe he may show up at the senior bowl. Maybe, maybe just to talk to teams, you know, whatnot. But you know, we'll see what happens. One player I was really impressed with over the weekend was Jalen Mayfield, the Michigan left tackle. He showed up a lot, a lot more strength and power at the point of attack and his anchor was a lot more stout. If he continues to play this well. He could end up being the second offensive tackle off the board behind Panay Suel, who is far and away the best offensive tackle in the draft. The 2021 edge class is getting stronger by the week. Pitts, Patrick Jones, is playing at a high level. Um, Quidi Pay was great against Minnesota, showing off his athletic ability and pass rush ability and continuing, continuing to show he is a favorite in the draft, in the draft Twitter community. Penn State's Jason Owe and Shaka Tony were phenomenal against Indiana, showing off their own skill sets, their athletic ability, their speed and power off the edge. And I'll tell you what, entering this year, the edge class didn't look so good, but now it's really turning into a great group. And I'm really excited to break down these guys when the All-22 tape becomes available. Guys, that is going to be all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I love y'all. The U.S. election is less than a week away. So please go out and vote now. Your vote matters. It really does. Please go vote for democracy, for the change of this country. Please vote for the future of this country. You know, your vote matters. Your vote matters. I love y'all. Stay safe. Peace.